But today, I want to continue a message based on what I believe the Lord said to me at the beginning of this fast. And that is that He is in the process of restoring joy in many of our lives. Uh, Maybe some of you are just flat out depressed, lost your joy altogether, and darkness and discouragement. Some of you maybe have just lost the joy of His salvation in your life because you've been so uh, distracted by other things, you just kind of lost that joy. We talked about how Jesus' joy literally is supernatural, other than our joy, and it makes our joy full. So, the first, we, we were looking at five sources of joy, and last week we only got through two of them because the presence of God was so strong last week, all these first two points, that we just stopped and went into worship. And some of you are here for about a half hour after the service is over just seeking the Lord. That is God responding to us. Do you realize that? We can't produce that. We just can't decide, I think I'm going to stay another half hour and sing. Our flesh doesn't want to do that. That is a manifestation of the promise that James, the half-brother Jesus, gave to us. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. When God draws near, our hearts swell with love for Him, and you just want to get up in His presence. So that's the first source of joy we looked at last week. The first one was getting right with God. This is the biblical definition of the restoration of the joy of the Lord, is getting right with God. Many of you did that last week. Some of you may need to do that today, but I'm not going to teach on that again. Once you get right with God and that joy of his salvation is restored in your heart, then that leads to the second source of joy, and that is living for the purposes of God. Because once you get right with God, you come under his authority and say, God, you rule in my life. You are number one again. The next thing that happens is faith bursts in your heart for the purposes, the divine destiny that God placed in your spirit. Not only when you were born again or gave your life to Christ, but from the day that you were birthed, actually before you were even born, God had, the Bible says in Psalm 139, He had all your days already written out before you. It's connecting with God, then that connects you with your destiny. Then you begin walking with God with tremendous joy. Fasting brings clarity to your destiny. All the clutter, all the secondary things begin to fade away, and you get clarity on who God has called you to be and what God has called you to do, and that produces a tremendous amount of joy in your life, is doing the will of God. And so that was the second point. But today I want to jump onto the third point, and that is this. Once you get right with God and you get clarity on your destiny, it is not going to be easy. You are going to experience tremendous challenges with the call of God in your life. Because you have somebody who hates your guts. Does anybody know his name? Yeah, you can use his name in church. That's okay. We can just laugh at him, really. I mean, the Bible says, I mean, you don't want to take him lightly, but the Bible does say that when we see him in heaven, we will all say, this is the one who deceived the nations? See, he's all smoke and mirrors. He's all about intimidation. He's about fear. But if you and I can walk in faith, We can beat him every time. Faith will beat fear every time. Faith is much more powerful than fear. And fear 
usually is false evidence appearing real. That's why we need to have our glasses cleaned through seeking God so God can speak to us and clear our glasses. When we were up there with the teenagers at the end of the session, I said to them, I said, I want you to go to the Holy Spirit right now. Why don't you ask this question? You might need to ask the same question this morning. What is stopping you? What are you afraid of that stops you from giving your heart and life 100% over to Jesus? Now let him sit there for about a minute. You may just sit, maybe need to sit for about a minute right now. And then I said, now ask God what he wants to say to you about what you just found out about yourself. What if for another minute? And then I said, now, I know this is going to be really vulnerable, but who wants to share? And all these hands shot up. Many of the responses were fear. Fear of what my life might turn out to be like. Fear that I will be persecuted, rejected. Fear of peer pressure, of course, at a teen level. Or maybe you at work, wherever you may be. And God spoke into their hearts. And this one teenager, little junior high, raised his hand and said, I've been afraid to be a Christian at school because I'm afraid of being rejected and abandoned. But God spoke to me and said, I will never be alone. And I mean, this kid's hands raised up in the air, tears coming down, faith exploding in his heart. What was that? It was God replacing fear with faith. Faith is much more powerful than fear. And this brings up the third point, having faith in the ability of God. You are going to be severely challenged with the call of God in your life, and you're going to come to places over and over and over again where you doubt or are tempted to doubt the goodness of God, the ability of God. Some of you have just lost all hope. I remember one time when uh, I prophesied a word of the Lord for the turning of the year that God was going to restore dreams that had died in your heart. I didn't know that my wife, of course, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that your wife would like to have her own home. We were renting, and uh, hope had just given up on it. Living in Southern California, we didn't have any money in the bank. I didn't make enough money to, to uh, afford a loan. There was no way possible that we were ever going to own our own home. And so the next day, she says, I'm going to go out and uh, look for a home. I said, what? Monday. She said, yeah, I believe what you said was the Lord. That's how you know it really was the Lord. When your wife actually believes that you say the Lord said, and <laughs> they actually believe it, right? Especially from a preacher, because, you know, I'm always saying things like that. So she goes out, and then we find out we need 20 grand. You've heard, some of you have heard the story before, but let me just throw it out there again for those who haven't or maybe re-inspire those who had. And this isn't about a home. This is about God's calling and will for your life. Uh, some of you may be about a home. Right now, some of you are saying, oh, no, I'm taking this. <laughs> I see some of you grabbing it. I see someone I go, huh? The Holy Spirit's having you tell a story for me right now. And uh, so we found out we needed 20 grand. We went to um, a friend of ours who's a... A money manager here in San Diego, and we said, how do, we, how do we get 20 grand? What kind of CD do we need to get? It was a stupid conversation because we had no money. And he said, well, it would take you a long time. And so we decided to pray because we believed it was God's will. That's the point. We believed that was God's will for us and that specific time in our lives. And uh, so we asked God for 20 grand. And um, then 
about a week later, I get a phone call from the money manager friend of ours. He wasn't our friend because he was a money manager because we had no money. You guys understand, right? He just happened to be a friend who was a money manager. And he said, I said, hey, you got 20 grand for me? He goes, no. We were just in his living room a week earlier having this conversation. He said, no, but somebody just walked into my office and they said that they were driving down Wildcat Canyon Road and God spoke to them and said, give John at tour $20,000. Now, when I tell that story, I've had my pastor friends in the region, when I told them that story, they said, oh, you should have asked for more, right? Because he... He didn't give me 19. He didn't give me 21. He gave what I asked. But I think he inspired the prayer. And, uh, and she, I hadn't talked to her in 10 years. I used to be her pastor in East County. It was completely serendipitous. You see, faith, hope is the dream. Faith is the assurance of the dream. That is why you cannot throw away your faith. With, see, faith, hope, and joy all work together. Without hope, there, there's nothing to believe for. But all of us have hope. Some of your hopes and dreams are just buried underneath discouragement and frustration. It's been such a long time. Let me tell you something. What you're believing for almost always takes a lot longer and is a lot harder than you ever knew from the very start. How many are going to say amen to that? And so some of your dreams are just buried. And I'm not talking about selfish dreams. I'm not talking about consumerism. I'm talking about the dreams of God. We're God's people. He drops dreams in our hearts. And they're always to glorify Him and to benefit somebody else. Some of them, along the way, He will give us some of our personal desires because He's just that good. But our lives are not about us, right? You guys know that, right? I mean, we know that. Even though we're Americans, this isn't about us, right? This is about Him. Oh, that went over like a lead balloon, man. That was like a one-winged duck trying to fly over Lake Erie. Goodness gracious. You better get out of that consumerism mentality or you're going to have a frustrated Christianity. This is about Jesus Christ and his purposes in the earth. That's saving souls and building up the church, right? This isn't about us. We're going to fall down on our face in front of him and throw our crowns at his feet. He's not going to throw his crown at our feet and worship us. Come on, this is about him. He says, seek first my kingdom. So he'll drop dreams in your heart. About financing the kingdom of God, being a worship leader to, encourage, to build up the body of Christ, to prophesy, to encourage one another. All the gifts of the Spirit, the Bible say, are for the benefit of others to build up the church. This is, we're always outward. And then God says, I will add these other things to you. And some of them are just personal dreams and desires. But that can't be the primary mode of operation in our lives. Or we are not on God's page. But some of these dreams, whether they're dreams for the advancement of the kingdom of God or personal dreams that God has spoken to your heart about, some of them are just buried. And without that hope, there's no reason for faith. So all you're left with is depression. See, faith needs something to, to attach itself to. And when you have hope, like, how many of you want your kids to grow up to be complete idiots and total failures? Just raise your hand. Okay, well, there's one, two, three. Okay, all of us who are parents have a dream, an innate dream that we want our kids to succeed. That's a hope. That's a vision. That's a dream. And we want them to be kingdom 
uh, kids, right? We want them to be salt and light of the world, advance the kingdom of God, love God with all their hearts, serve and sacrifice. And right, We want our kids to be that way. That's a dream. Some of you want a fruitful ministry. Some of you want a happy marriage. These are all kingdom things, right? A depressed marriage is not a good witness to your neighbors. Yelling and screaming and fighting and all that and neighbors hear it. That is a, that's just, it's, not, it's not the peace of Jesus Christ in a home. And, and many of us have those, those seasons in our lives and they're really frustrating. Some of you are called to finance the kingdom of God and you're frustrated because you can't, you're not producing the kind of money you want to produce and you want to meet every need that comes your way because you just have that kind of a heart. These are kingdom dreams. And so you need to hold on to your dream so your faith has something to connect to. But you can't just have a dream without faith. Faith is the title deed to the dream. The Bible says faith is the substance. Faith is the substance. Faith is the substance of the thing hoped for. It is the evidence of the thing not seen. That evidence is, is literally means the title deed to. So it would be like... If you purchased some land in another state or another country, you've never been there physically. Maybe you've seen pictures of it, but you've never been there. But you buy it through a broker, and they send you the title deed in the mail, and you get the title deed in your hands. You can confidently say to somebody at that point, I own a piece of uh, land down in Louisiana way where my mother-in-law is from back there. They promised me it was a good piece of land, alligators and all. And I have the title deed right here. This is the proof. You'd be pretty confident. Put that on your desk, right? I have a piece of land. You can tell anybody. I have a piece of land in Louisiana. Right here is the title deed. You've never been there. You've never felt it. You've never walked on it. You haven't built anything on it. But you know it's yours. That is exactly what Hebrews 11 means when it says faith is the evidence of the thing not seen. Oh, I have it. It just clicks in your spirit. You know when you got it. You know when you don't. That's faith. That's how we got this building. We were in an elders meeting, and we were talking about this little elementary school that we were privileged to have but kind of stuck in because it was small. And we were saying, if we are going to fulfill God's destiny for this church, we have got to get a larger facility. And Mark, of all people, pops off off and says, I believe we can do this with one phone call. I said, what? He goes, yeah, I have the faith for it. I didn't. I don't know where Gary was at. And I said, really? He goes, yeah. So they gave me the assignment to go down to the facilities department and see what was available. But I knew nothing was available. I, I, I had no faith for it. So I didn't go. It was like a couple weeks later. I, every day I'm thinking about it. The elders team has assigned me to go to the facilities department to, for them to tell me there's nothing available in the school district because all the schools are taken by churches. And finally, I told Mark one day, I think over a bowl of noodles down at China Fun, and he said, well, let's go right now. See, that's, that's what faith is, isn't it? He goes, let's go right now. I'm like, all right, a little exercise in futility. I'll drive, you know. We drive down there and... It was role reversal. It was, yeah. Mark says it was role reversal. That's what I'm saying. Usually I'm, I'm uh, operating in faith and he's operating in, let's just wait and see. I hate wait and see. I hate that. But we all have faith for different things, and that's my point. Mark has tremendous faith for things like prophecy. We were in a restaurant. I mean, one time this waitress comes up, and she knew me. She got my pastor. Who's this? And Mark says, well, I'm his worship monkey. And I said, <laughs> I said, 
I said, he, he's on the pastoral team. And I said, he, he's a prophet. He, he can talk to you right now about your life. I just love doing that to him. She goes, really? And he just has this faith. He says, yeah, when you're eight years old, a missionary came to your church and you knew that was your call. But now you're uh, engaged to a guy and that's going to derail your destiny. And you've uh, always known that that's your calling. Starts crying right there at the table at Marie Callender's. That was exactly what happened. That's amazing, isn't it? The Bible says prophesy according to your faith. So anyway, um, you can you can turn those off if you want. Because we walk by faith, not by sight. Oh, that was good. <laughs> so we go down to we go down to the um, facilities department. And she's talking to us, and of course she's saying, oh, no, nothing's available. Oh, nothing's, I'm saying, see, told you, see, I knew it. And then she said, wait a minute. I think they just renovated the performing arts theater down at Mount Carmel High School. I said, really? She goes, yeah, I don't think anybody's in there. I said, well, okay. And Mark said, let's go. I like, I'm following Mark, man, because he has the title deed. He knows we can do this. One phone call. And so we come to the school. We go to the vice principal, and this is... Look, I'm usually operating in consistent faith for most things. Just, it's just one of the God, gifts God's given to me. I hope that doesn't sound arrogant. They're just gifts, okay? We didn't earn them. Um, and I was in sales before I was a preacher, so I can usually know how to, you know, genuinely build a rapport and, and uh, push the ball down the field. So this is my big faith-filled sales pitch to the vice principal of this school. So is your performing arts available? He said, yeah, yeah, it is. And I said, you don't want a church in there, do you? That's what I said. It was horrible. It was his faith that got us this place. Can we all thank Mark for our, our church home? Hope is the dream. Faith is the assurance of the dream. You cannot let go of your faith. Or you will be robbed of your joy. This was our foundational text for this fast. Psalm 27, 13. Look what David, a man after God's own heart, said. I would have lost heart. Everybody say lost heart. And say, I don't want that. Yeah. And some of you have lost heart. And today is a day of restoration of faith. You can get your heart back, get your dream back, get your hope back. Don't be afraid to hope. Don't be afraid to hope. Don't live flatlined. I want to caution and encourage you. Don't live flatlined. Yeah, you'll live with some disappointments, but wah, wah. Do you want to live? I love, I love what uh, Mel Gibson said in Braveheart. You know, you're going to die. He said everybody dies, but not everybody lives. You can't live like a zombie because you're afraid of disappointment. Come on, family. We're people of faith. God has promised us big things. We're supposed to be taking over the world. We're supposed to make Israel jealous. We're supposed to be experiencing the living God and believing him for things that are beyond our own imagination, the Bible says God can do above and beyond all you even hope or think or imagine. I want to encourage you to break off fear, doubt, and unbelief and believe God again. I would have lost heart unless, everybody say unless. 
See, that's the key right there. Unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living, not in the you know sweet by and by, not in heaven, not when I get there. In the land of the living, that's now and here. Peter learned this lesson. Peter, um, Peter calls our faith in Second Peter chapter one. He calls. He says, "Those who have obtained like precious faith." How many of you have something precious? Kind of like, Hope's not here, but I'm going to use this illustration, like her wedding ring. It was the second one I bought because the first one was lame. I didn't know it was lame. I thought it was good, but it was lame. And she wore it proudly anyway because, you know, it was a long-distance marriage. I didn't really know her that well, and so I went to the store and bought a ring. I thought this woman would like that I didn't really know very well. After about two or three years of marriage, I noticed that none of her jewelry matched the ring I'd gotten her, and it looked ridiculous compared to the other stuff that she had. Not, like, cheap. It just didn't match. didn't match her clothes. It wasn't her style. And I said to her one day, do you, do you like that ring? And she said, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not very convincing. No, really, do you like that ring? Yeah, yeah. And I had to rephrase it to get the answer right. Would you have picked out that ring? And, you know, Hope can't lie. She does not lie. She can't lie. She's just, she's a godly woman. I lie all the time, but she just can't do it. You look, you look great in those pants. Anyway. No, I wasn't talking about Mark. And I said, and she said, she said no. So we went and got her a ring. Well, let me tell you, it was a lot more expensive than the first ring I picked out. And it's precious to me. So... When she puts it next to the sink, I don't get it. And she won't stop. It's precious to me. This is what Peter says our faith is. Precious. No, I'm not doing Lord of the Rings. It's precious. I know some of you are thinking, I almost said it like him too. That is perfect. It's precious. Yes. But that's kind of like weird. How did Peter find out how precious faith is? Because Jesus came to him one day and said, Peter, Satan has come to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, not that Satan won't do it, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you have returned to me, your faith is the key right there. That's why Peter said, oh, your faith is precious. Peter had lost hope. He wept bitterly. Some of you feel like you've blown it so bad you've just wept bitterly over your destiny. What bitterly over your past failures. Maybe some of you think you've blown it so bad you can never recover. I just want to say God is bigger than that. God is so much bigger than our failures. He's the one that called us. I told him that. I said, hey, 
you picked me. (laughs) The Bible says that you called me. I just happened to answer the phone. But this was your idea. So if I flick the people of God, I'm, hey, I'm doing the best I can. I know. That's why you guys need to pray for me. Don't criticize me so I can do better. God called me. God called you. And I let him know that. This was your idea. God called Peter. And Peter was going to fail miserably. But Jesus knew it. Peter lost hope, but Jesus never did. And Jesus is where Peter regained his hope. It was Jesus' faithfulness to Peter and Jesus' goodness that restored Peter's faith. Peter knew who Jesus was. And it was because of who Jesus is that Peter was able to cling to his faith, as little as it may have been. The Bible says this, family, feed on God's faithfulness. It doesn't say feed on your circumstance. And that's what we do, isn't it? And it is poison to the brain. It'll rob our faith and rob our joy when we feed in our circumstance. We've got to feed, feed on God's faithfulness. This is what Abraham did. We're going to jump into a meaty passage right here. And we're going to take about 10 more minutes here. And I believe some of your faith is just going to start coming out from underneath that dirt pile and it's going to breathe again for the first time in a long time. And you're going to start believing again. Abraham, do you think that what God told him took a lot longer, was a lot harder than he ever imagined when he first started? Yeah, 25 years, you're going to have a kid. Oh, okay, great. 25 years later, Abraham was all over the map. He was up, he was down, show me a sign. You know, my, my, my slave here, my servant in my house, let him be the heir because this isn't going to happen. I mean, he, his faith was just floundering and flipping all over the place. I mean, he was challenged by his circumstances. It came to the point where he couldn't produce anymore and neither could his wife biologically, physiologically, talk about impossible. She was all dried up. It's over, man. I mean, it's done. There's, there's no way it could possibly happen physiologically, biologically, medically. Stay away from me. I mean, it was so clear that there was no way in the natural And this may be your circumstance right now. If not, it will happen, and you can remember this message. There will be a time in your life where there is no way it's possible. Period. To the point when Abraham's situation, that Sarah, knowing there's there's no chance, says to him, you know, go, go, you know, have sexual relations with the maid. And Abraham said, well, all right, if you say so. (laughs) And even with that complete mess up, which is still a little messy, 
God still did the miracle because God never lost hope. God never gave up on the dream that he gave to Abraham. And thank God because we're the fruit of the dream, our salvation. God doesn't lose hope. He is the God of That's what the Bible says, the God of hope. And so Abraham had to keep going back to God to get his hope restored. God will never talk to you about failure. He will always talk to you about the dream. I hate it. When I wanted to just stop it, I'm done with this. It's not going to happen. I'm tired of believing. Forget it. And when I think that he's heard me and we're on the same page, then he just goes, and then there's faith enters my heart for the dream again. I'm like, got it. I'm telling you, I'm not making that up. He does it all the time. Breathes fresh inspiration back into my sails to believe for the dream again. I think he thinks it's fun to have people run around the earth believing for the impossible. And that's the only way heaven invades the earth is when somebody's on earth believing for heaven to invade the earth. That's why he keeps breathing fresh faith back into our heart so he gets to do stuff in the earth. So, Abraham, Romans 4, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. This is when he had no children. I have made you. That's past tense. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead, so that's impossible, and calls into being things that were not. That's God. Against, everybody say it, all hope. Say it with me. Against all hope, not some hope, not only it could possibly happen, against all hope. Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations. How? How did he believe? Where did he get his faith? The next phrase tells us, according to what was written, so shall your offspring be. It was the word of God. That was his only source of faith. And it is our primary source of faith. Let's continue to read and look what he could not gain faith from. Without weakening in his faith, eventually, if you know his story, he faced the fact that his body, he faced the fact. He didn't deny the natural. He didn't say, oh, no, I'm not sick when you're sick. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Denial is not a gift. Well, sometimes it is. It's nice. But it doesn't move mountains. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet. Would you just say yet with me out loud? Yet. That's the turning point. Yet. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to perform what he had promised. Where did he get that persuasion from? He could not look at the natural and find faith anywhere. He had to go to the word of God. I think I'm going to stop right here. Some of you need your faith restored today. You need to get your faith back in the book. 
God wants to talk to you. Right now. If you haven't been fasting, start right now and say, God, I'm going to seek your face this week. I need you to restore my faith. I need you to clean off my glasses and let me see the dream again. Maybe it's the salvation of a friend, the healing of a friend. Maybe it is your marriage. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your relationship with the Lord, and the Lord has to remind you again that he's a lot bigger than you are and much gooder than you are bad. I don't know what it is, but you can't live this life without faith. It is the oxygen to your spirit, and it is the evidence and the key to your dreams. Let's just close your eyes right now. I'm gonna, let's just pray. Let's come to the Holy Spirit. He's the one. He's the one who breathes fresh faith into our hearts. Your heart is the manufacturing center of faith as well as fears and doubts and unbelief. Your heart is the manufacturing center. Just have your eyes closed and just listen. Your heart is the manufacturing center of hope and faith and love. And the Bible says clearly, protect your heart with all diligence. For out of it flow the boundaries, the parameters of your life. Right now, I'm going to ask if you will, right there in your moment of prayer with the Lord, if you will ask the Lord to forgive you, not shame-based forgiveness, just honest forgiveness for unbelief, doubting his faithfulness, doubting his goodness, doubting his ability. Let's just give the devil a punch right in the nose right now. Just ask him, say, Lord, please forgive me for doubting you. Now say this to him. You said it, you will do it. You said it, you will do it. Okay, now I want you to look at me again. I'm not going to stop here. I'm going to take, I'm going to take another five minutes, so hang with me because this next point is real important. Now I know why the Holy Spirit... I thought he wanted me to end right there. I think he just wanted to make a deposit right there, an impartation. Get some of those rocks out of your heart, the unbelief, the fear, the doubt, and get faith in them. Now listen to this. Many times, most of the time, you've really got to hear this, family of God, most of the time, God has no intention on you being able to fulfill your destiny without being part of the community of God. That's the fifth source of joy. Jesus said, love one another and your joy will be full. One of the primary ways we love one another is by backing each other up with our faith. Believing. When you share what you believe God has said to you about his calling on your life, circumstances are going to get you to doubt. And there will even be well-meaning brothers and sisters that tell you, well, there's no way that could happen. And it just deflates your balloon, doesn't it? And you hate them. In Jesus' name, you love them, but you actually hate them. Because they discourage your dream. The only way Peter was able to fulfill his destiny was because Jesus, who loved him, was in his corner. You've got to have somebody in your corner. Let me tell you about about our church. I know, first of all, that we have a phenomenal church, and I mean that. We have such great people in this church. 
But I also know that God's called us to a thousand strong. God didn't give Mark the spirit of faith to get us this facility so that we could have plenty of room. And so the more people could find Jesus here, get healed here, find their divine destiny here. And so there are times when I can get discouraged because I know what God has shown us. But many times I don't see it with the natural eye. And so right before I took my three-week break, three-week break, maybe the anointing is lifting. This shows you how we need the community of God. You cannot fly solo and fulfill your destiny. Because many times the source of faith will come through a brother or a sister. How many of you experienced that? Come on, raise your hands. If you're in the body of Christ, then I'm sure. Okay. Right before I took my break, I get a phone call, or I got a uh, instant messaging on whatever you call it on Facebook. And uh, it was Paula Friedrichson, right, from up in the mountains, mountain lady. She comes down here every once in a while. She does our women's retreat. She'll be down here this fall. One day, the Lord spoke to her my name and woke her up and told her to tell, told her to tell me fulfillment. Not half a dream, the full thing. That's one of the times when my, my, my healing was leaving my balloon. And God woke her up. Spoke her name and told me fulfillment. Well, right before I took my three-week break this summer, I was getting a little discouraged. And the Lord did it again. Listen to this. And the reason I share this with you is this isn't just about me. This is about us. I don't believe we're done here yet. I don't believe we've reached our full potential yet. And I believe that God's going to do some incredible things over the next five to ten years in this church. Listen to what the Lord gave to her for us. Hi, John. Hey, I felt the Lord speak to me about you this morning. Just before I woke up completely, I dreamt about a very large pot filled with water on the back of the stove. I knew it was you. It was your dreams. It was your calling, your church, and the things God has spoken to you and confirmed to you about the church through the years. The pot had steam starting to form, but but was not boiling yet. As I looked at the pot, I knew the reason it did not come to boil yet because it was so full. And I laughed. I'm glad she can. You could not compromise what God had spoken to you. And so you have refused to quote downgrade what you're believing him to do for you and for the people you lead. And so the pot sat dot, dot, dot. I hate that. Heating slowly dot, dot, dot. Seeming to almost refuse to boil. But God says, Quote, of course the pot will boil. It just takes time. It's just going to take, it's a, it just takes time. It's a full pot. It's just going to take a while. Right? My lungs are full again. You need a friend like that in your life. You need two or three friends like that in your life. You need a posse of people who will back you up, believe what God has called you to do, and mix their faith with yours. A lot of times, your dream will go to the next mile because of the faith of a friend when your faith is weak. So I'm going to do this last thing before we close. I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord for that friend if you don't have one. You cannot, you cannot, I'm going to say it one more time, there's no way you can fulfill your destiny without faith partners who are part of your destiny because Jesus did not design it that way. You've got to break down the walls of isolation 
and let people in because many of them, God has put the gifts in them and faith in them to mix with you to do this together. Paul needed Timothy. Timothy needed Paul. Paul needed Barnabas. Jonathan needed, David needed Jonathan. Jehu needed his captains. Captains around him. So right now, just stop. One, ask the Lord right now where you are. Lord, give me these kind of brothers and sisters who will love me, believe what you've called me to do, and believe with me. Now, the Bible calls God the God of hope. Let's go to the God of hope together today as we close. Will you guys all just stand on your feet and let's, let's go to the God of hope together. Let's let this be a house of faith, family. And if you have faith and your brother or sister does not, use your faith to lift them up. The next time, they can use their faith to lift you up. But let's believe God. Father, we come to you as the God of hope. Thank you for restoring Peter when he had no hope. Thank you for being the God of hope. Thank you for being the God of fresh faith when we need it. Father, we love you in this house, and we want to believe you for everything you say. Father, in this house today, we say no to the spirit of doubt, fear, and unbelief. And we say yes to the gift of faith. We pray this week as we fast and seek your face that faith will arise, dreams will be restored, hope will be renewed, and we will see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living and Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you, family. You'll be the salt and light of the world.